Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 is another parable by our Lord Jesus Christ. We shall be looking at verses 1 through 16. As you read through this parable, one question that needs to be asked, or that people tend to ask, is, is God fair? And the theological answer to that, if you are ever asked if God is fair, you're supposed to be saying, no, God is not fair, but he is just. That is what theologians for the last 2,000 years have figured out is the proper answer. That when we speak of fair, fair is a word that has moved through our society. Today we talk about fair share. And fairness, we talk about equality and we talk about equity. And if you watch the news at all, these definitions of these words seem to change daily. So fairness is a human construct that is supposed to indicate some level of equality. Back when I was growing up, my brother and I had birthdays, and as we had birthdays, my mother would bake birthday cakes, and as the cakes were cut and we each got a piece, if my brother's piece was smaller or the same size, that was fair. If it was bigger, that was unfair, and that is how we view the world. Fairness is not pure equality. Fairness is something that benefits me or benefits you, and so... When we look at this world and this parable, we have to kind of look at the context of what Jesus is talking about. In verse, in chapter 19, starting in 16, verse 16, Jesus is talking with what some uh, Bibles call the rich young ruler. It is a rich young man. It is a young man who has great wealth. And he comes to Jesus and he says, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, keep all the commandments, basically. And the guy says, I've done it since my youth, which is a lie, but he says, I've done it since my youth. Then Jesus says, sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you will have the kingdom of God. And he went away sad because he was a very wealthy person. Then Jesus goes and gives the illustration of it is easier for a full-size camel to go through the eye of a sewing needle. It is easier for that to happen than for a rich person to get saved because the wealth seems to be a barrier to salvation. Then the disciple says, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus says... What is impossible with man, you can't put a camel through an eye of a needle. That's impossible. What's impossible with man is possible with God. So God can save anybody, and he does, in fact, save lots of people. He then ends in 1930 
by saying, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And this moves into a teaching in chapter 20 comparing how the world views first, second, and third place, how the world views uh, people who are top of the heap and how the world views people who are in last place. And this, key, this teaching comes in the form of a parable. Now, in the parable, you have, uh, it's about the kingdom of God. It starts by saying, for the kingdom of God is like. So this is a kingdom of God parable. Everything that is said in this parable relates to the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's a master of a house who is apparently quite wealthy because he has land and he has a vineyard. And when you, when you lived back then, you did not have hundreds of people on your staff because vineyard work was seasonal. Only maybe three times a year would you need to do any intense work in a vineyard. And so most vineyards and uh, farms and things like that were family-owned. This person probably had lots of children and a, probably an extended family ran this vineyard and this, you know, 13 or so people could run the vineyard during the off-season when the grapes are just growing. But when it's time to pick the grapes, depending how large it is, he may need a hundred or more people for a period of two or three days for picking the grapes. And so you had day laborers back in Jesus' day. Today our day laborers hang out in the Home Depot parking lot. If you've ever driven by Home Depot, you see people just standing around. They're, they're looking for day work. They're looking to work for the day for helping people in doing yard work or building or whatever needs to be done. And so a Jewish, back in Jesus' time, a Jewish work day was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You worked for 12 hours. That was considered normal. That was considered average. And so at 6 a.m., the master of the house goes to the marketplace, goes to the Home Depot parking lot, and says, hey, anybody who wants to work in a vineyard, come on over. And a group of people come over, and he says, I will give you a denarius. A denarius was a Roman coin that was equivalent to a day's wages. If you were just a laborer, you earned a denarius a day. Uh, they didn't have the sort of issue where you were paid uh, an hourly wage, and this person who is senior may get a bigger hourly wage or be salaried, while this person would get a, a smaller hourly wage. That sort of thing didn't work. In the minds of the Romans, every day laborer was equal, no matter on their skill, and so it arose and it came out of the Roman government and therefore accepted everybody that if you worked a day, if you worked from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., you got one coin, maybe copper, maybe silver, it's a denarius, you could then take that coin and that would buy enough food at the marketplace for your family for the day. So it was a system that was 
understood. It wasn't a poverty sort of system, but it was a system where you could not get ahead if you were a day laborer. So at 6 o'clock in the morning, he goes and he says, I'll hire you all in the agreement, and he makes this agreement with them, you will all get a denarius at the end of the day. So in their mind, they're thinking, I'm going to work 12 hours. I'll get enough money to feed my family. This is a good thing. They agree, and they go into the vineyard. Then three hours later at 9 a.m., he goes and he looks at his vineyard, and there's still work that needs to be done. And so he goes to the marketplace, and he says, who else wants to work? And they come, and he just says, I will pay you whatever is right. And he does this at 9 a.m., he does this at noon, he does this at 3 p.m., and he does this at 5 p.m. At 5 p.m., you only have one hour left in the day that you can work, and he goes, and there's still people standing around idle. Now, that's not a, a criticism of the workers, it's more of a criticism of the people who hire them, because there's not enough jobs for them to do, as in most societies, there are always more people who want to work than people who can find them to hire them. And it's possible that they also worked other jobs in the morning, and then at five in the afternoon, they're now looking for extra work. And he says, go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you what is right. And then at six o'clock, the whistle blows, and work is done, and people line up. And the master of the house tells the foreman, line them up by last to first. So the ones that were hired at 5 p.m. get paid first, and the ones who were hired at 6 a.m. get paid last. And the people who were hired at 5 p.m. get a denarius. And they think, ooh, that's pretty cool, they get a denarius. And they go, and they go down the list, and everybody who was hired at 3 gets a denarius, everybody who was hired at noon gets a denarius, everybody who was hired at 9 gets a denarius. Then when he gets to the 6 a.m. people, they grumble, and they say their logic is it's now a denarius an hour, not a denarius a day, because the one who worked for an hour at 5 to 6 p.m., got a coin. So it is a coin an hour, not a coin for the day. And so they grumble and they want 12 denarius because they can do math in their head. And, and the, the master says, I agreed with you. The contract was when I picked you up in the marketplace, I'm going to pay you a denarius. And so I'm paying you a denarius. And they are thinking I should get more. And Jesus is saying, are you begrudging my generosity? Take what is yours and go away. And then he ends this with, so the last will be first and the first will be last. If you want to theologically apply the various parts of this parable to characters in the Bible. Best way to do it is the master of the house is God the Father. The foreman is Jesus Christ, and the denarius is salvation. There is no deal 
in the Bible that is offered you that if you were saved when you were a child and you live your whole life, you live to be 105, you were saved when you were five, 100 years of serving God, you don't get a better salvation, you don't get a different salvation, you don't get a shinier salvation. The same salvation as the person who was saved moments before their death, a deathbed confession, as it were. That person gets the same salvation as you. If you want biblical evidence of this, Jesus was crucified between two thieves. And when it first started out, they were kind of railing against Jesus. They didn't have anything better to do, so they were yelling at Jesus. And then one of them sees how Jesus is handling the crowd and handles his mother and the things that he says. And one thief says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. At that moment, that thief is saved. Okay? Now, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus dies first because they didn't have to break his legs because he was already dead. The other two hung on for a couple hours and the Romans broke their legs to hasten their death. Yet on the cross, he is immobile. He is probably incoherent. It is probably a... Um, I don't know, I've never been crucified, you've never been crucified. It's rough. You're not really in control of your situation when you're crucified, but yet here's somebody who is full-on, full-bore, absolutely saved, washed by the blood of Christ as the blood is being shed, totally and absolutely saved, as saved as Billy Graham, as saved as you are. This person is saved and did absolutely zero for the kingdom of God. In fact, depending on how his mind was, he might have done negative things for the kingdom of God, grumbling and things like that, and perhaps cursing the Romans or things of this nature that he might have done. This thief on the cross was a big fat zero for the kingdom of God. Yet... He's in heaven now. And when you get to heaven, you can meet him. You can hunt him up, hunt him down, and, and meet him and get his story of what's going on. And he will be saved with the same salvation that you are saved with. He will be saved with the same salvation that everybody is saved with. Everybody is saved with the same salvation, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the world, when we look at what we're done doing, one thing we have to not do is look at our own life and say, boy, I've done a lot for God, okay? And really be impressed and, and look at yourself in the mirror and pat yourself on the back because you've done a lot with God, because you will be like those who were hired first. You will be mentally grumbling as you see people who are saved on their deathbed or people who are saved near death and do nothing for God. 
there are those who are um, saved in other countries where Christianity is a capital offense. And as soon as their faith is known, they are killed by their government. That person has the same ranking, has the same position, has the same place as somebody who has worked 70, 80, 90 years for the kingdom of God because we are all saved by grace, not by works. Thus nobody can boast and nobody can grumble because when you are saved, that's all you get. Now, does the Bible talk about rewards? The Bible does talk about rewards. At this current stage of my life, I've kind of tried to look at them. And if you read 10 different commentaries on the rewards in the Bible, you'll get 10 different theories. Okay? It is not a central teaching. It is not a clear teaching. There will be something in heaven where if you lived your whole life for God, he's going to say thank you in a way that does not cause loss for other people. Nobody will look at you and be disappointed. If you are in a contest today, whether it be football or baseball or whatever, you know, horse racing, all the various, you watch, you know, curling. You watch the Olympics coming up and there's, seems to be thousands of games you can play. And in that event, there is always only three spots on the podium. There is always a first, second, and third. And the other 90 people who bobsledded, don't get anything, and we don't even know their name. In fact, most of us, because of the way our, our media is, you're not even going to remember necessarily the silver or the bronze, just the gold, especially if they're a darling of America. There is always a winner and a loser. There is always people who invest in the stock market and make a killing, and those who invest in the stock market and lose it all. There's always those who, um, you know, try to flip houses. There's a, apparently a lot of that. I get a lot of calls. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of texts. I get a lot of postcards. A lot of people who want to buy the house I'm living in for a little money, and they're clearly going to flip it and turn it around and become, uh, you know, a billionaire because they're flipping houses. And this comes from the various TV shows that are out there, and there are also classes, and I also receive information about for only $300, I can go to Berkeley, and I can learn how to flip houses, and apparently a lot of people do this. And some people will make a lot of money, and those people tend to have TV shows on Home and Garden Network. Other people will try it and end up with a lot of broken houses in their pocket because they can't really pull off the work or they can't really pull off selling it. There's winners and losers. There's first place, there's second place, there's first place, there's last place. That is how our world is put together. There is not a system. And we talk about fairness. What is being preached is 
We're all going to be equal. We're all going to be in first place. But nobody in the history of the world has been able to pull that off with people. There are always people who will want to be first and want you to be last. There are always people who will work against you so that they will get top of the heap and you will not. Our world is a world of competition. Our world is a world of manipulation and using each other for the purpose of advancing my own kingdom of being the top of the heap. And Jesus is saying that is not how it is in heaven. That is not how it is in the kingdom of God. That is not how it is for Christians today is that we can buy into that if we want. But churches are built in such a way that we all can come and we're all saved by grace, we're all equal. And financial standing or where you live or what's happening with you know, your, your, your things at work are, are not as important unless there's something that we can pray for, unless there's something that we can support you with we don't bow down to rich people who come through the door like apparently was the uh, practice in the synagogues is that if a rich person came, the people would you know, split and bow down and let them sit wherever they wanted to sit. And so we focus on I'm saved. And if you look at, you look at the denarius of your salvation... You look at the coin. If, if God gave us a physical coin, that'd be great. But he didn't. It's just something we know and we understand. And I can read the Bible and I can say, yes, this is true. I truly am saved. And we hold that as the most valuable thing, the most valuable commodity in my life. There is nothing that can be offered me. There is nothing that can be given to me. There's no title. There's no corner office. There's no responsibility. There's nothing on this earth that can rival that, that can say, well, this is actually better than salvation. Because, as we talked about last week, when you finally close your eyes for the last time, you either wake up in torment and you dream about your corner office that you had or the Porsche that you drove or whatever, you can dream about that or you can stand in the presence of God. And when you're really honestly standing in the presence of God, everything that you thought was valuable on this earth will just fade away because nothing compares to the presence of God. So what do we do with this? We look at this and we say, interesting parable. Yes, everybody is saved with the same salvation. Everybody is saved with the same thing. If you look through the book of Revelation, uh, when John first gets to heaven and, and sees things that are going on, he sees God the Father, he sees Jesus Christ, he sees the lampstands, he says angels doing things with scrolls and censers. And over here is an uncountable choir of saved human beings, of Christians, Old Testament Christians, New Testament Christians, 
who have died and gone to heaven that during this part of their existence, they are in a large mass choir. And one thing that you get when you read through Revelation is you look at what's not there. John does not say, and Abraham was right in the front, okay? Abraham was in that group. Isaac, Jacob was all in that group. That group was there. Moses is in that group. John knew Moses, okay? John was a studier of the books of Moses. And he doesn't even mention him, even though he's there even though he's praising God, because when it's all said and done and everything of this world is stripped away, all you have is God. And God, even in heaven, is not going to be impressed with you. That's not what God does. God doesn't look at us and say, wow, what a great Christian. God says, oh, look, what my spirit did in that person. God will praise the spirit, not you. God will elevate and glorify the spirit and Jesus Christ and not you. We are not to be glorified in heaven or on earth. And so the first thing we need to understand is that that is true. We realize it, we accept it, and when we look at our lives, when we look at our bank account, when we look at our plans for the future, we need to understand that we are saved and we live by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It is a gift. We are saved by grace, not by works, so nobody can boast. Nobody can grumble. Nobody can talk about their salvation in any different way. I can talk to you about what God has brought me through, but I can't say to you my salvation is different than yours. Your salvation is not different than mine. We all have different paths, but they're all the narrow one going toward the kingdom of God. So we need to understand that and accept that as we weigh how this world treats us versus our salvation. Secondly, we don't envy other Christians and their blessings and their skills and their gifting. You, you, may, you, know, you look at somebody, uh, Billy Graham's always a safe example. He has gone to be with the Lord, but he was always a very safe person to talk about because he didn't do anything wrong. You don't look at him and say, I wish I was him. I wish I did that. I wish I had, you know, millions of people listening to my words. You have to understand that if you are saved and gifted by God, you're not Moses. Moses is Moses. You're not Billy Graham. Billy Graham is Billy Graham. You're you. And your ministry and your situation and your influence is as important in the kingdom of God, but also as simple and God-centered as everything else. The more that God elevated Moses, the more humble Moses became, not wanting to do it. Number three, as a church, we are not jealous of other churches. I have had people comment that we're not 
growing big enough, they say. I tell them to shut up because this church is this church. Their church is their church. We are not their church. Their church is not our church. This pastor is not their pastor. Their pastor. Everybody has a different path as an individual and as a church. They're all still on the narrow path going in the right direction, but there's a lot of tributaries in this narrow path, and we all go down the path that God wants us to go down. And we don't look at any organization that is not ours and say, I wish I had that, because that's minimizing God, and that's minimizing God in your life and whatever those people are doing over there, they are saved with the same salvation you are. You are equal in the eyes of God with your salvation. And number four, we don't care how big their slice of cake is. We just praise God that we got some cake. And if we look at our own cake and we keep our eyes on our own cake, and that is something that we can do the way my parents fixed the problem, of us calling each other unfair, our two, you know, the two brothers, is they would flip a coin, and whoever's birthday it was would call it, and the person who won the toss or lost the toss, they would be forced to cut the cake, and the other person could pick the slice. And so there's no fairness or unfairness, because if my brother got a bigger slice, it's because I cut it wrong. So it's my fault. And so when we look at the world and we look at how the Bible talks about salvation, Daniel served God for 70 years and he's in heaven. Moses served God for 80 years and he's in heaven. Abraham served God for 100 years and he's in heaven. And Enoch served God for 300 years and God didn't let him die. But he's still in heaven. And so you praise God that you are saved with the same salvation that all the saints of the Bible are saved in. And that should give us a peace. That should give us a direction. That should give us an understanding. We don't boast or grumble because we are all saved by grace. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you that we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no matter what we do, we are saved by you. You are the saving God, and you are the one who will bring us home. Lord, we praise you for that and ask your blessing upon this day. We ask this through the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.